Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Zaren. What up, Elizabeth? Uh, you know what's ridiculous? Oh, man. Whoa. <laughs> Do I? Yes. All right. You ever heard of wife carrying as a competitive sport? No, I've not. So it started out apparently in Finland where it has a uh, definitely decidedly questionable history. But wife carrying as a sport, it involves a track that has to be 278 yards long. Uh-huh. Exactly that number. And uh, then it has to have two dry obstacles, one wet obstacle. Sort to goodness. <laughs> and uh, a husband has to carry their wife. Now, you can find these contests everywhere. They're like in Finland, Kazakhstan, anywhere you look, you know. But in America, we do them proper. Okay. <laughs> There's the North American Wife Carrying Championship uh-huh. that you can find at the Sunday River Resort in Newry, Maine. Mm-hmm. Like N-E-W-R-Y, Newry. Okay. Right? And... Uh, they usually do it in the fall, and it involves people, male-female partnership. When they're all leaf-peeping? Yeah. So the exactly. <laughs> they're out there like, oh, let's go see the leaves. We don't want to do a championship run. <laughs> so, yeah, they basically just imagine a, a husband carrying his wife like fire, like firemen okay, over yeah. the shoulders or like maybe like bear hug, like, you know, upside down or like they're oh. all sorts, yeah, all sorts of weird ways, but however uh-huh. they can like clutch each other uh-huh. and then they run as fast and as hard as they can over three obstacles at Lake Hillendale, yeah, for 278 yards or whatever. And, and he can't is, drag her? No, no, you got to, it's that's whole thing the is the carrying, yeah. So that's, that's the name? That's key, yeah. So <laughs> I thought, que ridiculous. That is very ridiculous. Do you know what else is ridiculous? No, hit me with it. Uh, forging art while in jail for forging art. Wait, what? <laughs> Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Oh, you damn right. Yes. I think I've established that I like four things. Okay. I mean, I like more than four things in life, but (laughs) these are the main four. All right. Dogs, which Uh are the greatest living creatures on Earth. Oh, Trains, but mm-hmm. not in like the knowing the model or history kind of way. Uh-huh. Um, pretending to not watch TV. Uh-huh. 
Especially the hit Fox TV show 911. Yes. And art crimes. Yes. Those are four things I like. I don't have any cool dog stories today, okay. and I haven't been on a train lately, mm-hmm. and I'm all caught up on my stories. <laughs> okay. So that leaves art crime. Nice. You yeah. got a freshie for me? I do. I really liked telling you the tale of Elmer Dehori. Oh, El- yeah. Elmir, excuse me. Yeah, Elmir, Elmir Dehori. Oh, yeah. It was a good one. Oh, he was fantastic. Fascinating character. There was something so compelling about someone who had talent. Someone who life had totally put behind the eight ball. Oh, yeah. And someone who was so charming and who wanted more than anything to be loved and valued. Um, And I loved hearing about his criminal escapades. Today, I have another forger for you. All right. Um, He also has talent. He's also rather audacious and charming, but he's not as charming as Elmir, of course. Um, You know how if you look at an established artist's Apple Music page— uh-huh. Say, for example, Oasis. Okay, <laughs> let's just go with that one offhand. <laughs> uh, I don't know about theirs, though. They'll have, like, um, their Essentials, which is, like, the greatest hits. Sure. And then sometimes they'll have deep tracks. Yeah. But they also have both Influences and Inspired By. Ah. Uh-huh. And so, by the way, the Inspired By collection for the band mm-hmm. is really good. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, if there was an Inspired By Elmir Dahori track list... Wolfgang, or I should say Wolfgang. I'll say Wolfgang. Okay. I'll Americanize it. <laughs> Beltraki, he'd be right up there. Okay, so Wolfgang Beltraki is an inspiration for well, Elmer Dehori. Well, he you. would. He was inspired by Elmer. I oh, would say. Oh, I, I yeah. got it backwards. This is why so, I asked. There you go. So Wolfgang Beltraki, he was born Wolfgang Fischer. Wolfgang Fischer he picked up Beltraki along the way. Well, you'll find out. Word. Um, in uh, Hexta. Germany. Sure. I am going to... I like you say it like I know it. Oh, butcher. Hexta, yes. I'm butchering the German. We used to German. summer in Hexta, Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> uh, the, my family, <laughs> the Burnettes. It looks like Hoxter yes. with like the umlaut. Oh, yes, yes. So, Hexta. Hexta. Yeah. Um, in 1951. His father was an artist. He was like a muralist. He restored church frescoes. Okay. And so, he's so, like the German Diego Rivera. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> no. So, Wolfgang, yes. Wolfie, he began painting when he was 10. And when he was 14, he painted a piece copied from Pablo Picasso after his father had attempted to do the exact same thing. Like, hmm. his dad tries copying it. This is what he said. I was 14, and my father had given me a postcard. I was allowed to use my father's oil paints for the first time. I didn't like the original. I thought it was too sad, so I changed it, omitting a piece of material and making the picture less monochromatic. The painting took an afternoon. My father didn't touch a brush again for the next two years. Oh, so my like, God. Can you imagine that moment when the father, like, walks into yeah. the room to see what see he's done? It? And he's just like, <gasps> never mind. <laughs> and he just goes and just sadly puts his brushes yes. away. They get dusty for the next two years. Exactly. That's just like, wow. Right. So when he was 17, Wolfgang was expelled from high school. And he'd quit art school in Aachen um, after four years okay. studying there. Sure. So what do you do when you quit art school? Go to ITT Tech, where you can start learning to code. <laughs> no. No? Close. You buy yourself a Harley Davidson, and you become a nomadic hippie. Oh, I like his choice. Uh-huh. So he travels throughout Europe, smoking hash, dropping acid with U.S. soldiers stationed at nearby NATO base on their way <laughs> home from Vietnam. You know, as they, you do. They would have stories. Where did he go as a nomad? Hmm. Well, for a year and a half, he crashed on a Moroccan beach. <laughs> And he lived in I'm a commune. I'm loving his choices. Huh? Oh, yeah. He lived in a commune in Spain. Uh-huh. He lived in a houseboat in Amsterdam. And he ran a psychedelic light show at the Paradiso nightclub there. I think what we have established is, is that <laughs> under Generalissimo Francisco Franco, fascist Spain was a great place to do drugs. It Apparently, like everybody great, doing drugs in the 70s like, I got to hit Spain. I got to go to Morocco. to get loose. Yeah. Anyway, go on. So on. he drifted around Barcelona, uh-huh. Paris, London. Um, what did he do in all those places? Well... He bought and sold paintings he found at antique markets. Oh. Um, and his career as a forger was born in those markets. One day, he noticed a wintry landscape uh, painting um, of iced over lakes. He saw that it sold for a lot of money, but he found that the ones with these kind of winter scenes mm-hmm. made more if there were ice skaters in the painting. <laughs> So he's like he's weird. like the Walt Disney where he's like, oh, you know what you need is you ice need some skaters. ice skaters. So he bought a set of paintings for $250 each by this unknown 18th century Dutch painter. He then painted ice skaters into the winter landscape and he resold them for a profit. Because <laughs> like ice skaters are big business or something. Apparently. 
So he's soon, like, then he starts buying these old wooden frames and he creates winter landscape paintings with ice skaters in them, (laughs) sold as works by old masters. So he, like, had this technique where he would put this stuff all over the painting and then scrape the old paint off Uh and then, you know, make his own thing. So by the 80s, he really ramped up his forgery business. He painted in waves, as he called them, depending on whatever his needs were. Quote, Sometimes I'd paint 10 works in a month, and then I'd go for six months without doing any. I like it. So he's just, yeah, he's yeah. just on Take little off. pieces of your retirement when you can get it. <laughs> exactly. So in 1992, Wolfgang meets Helene Beltraki. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. There it is. Progressive. So they were each living with another partner when they met. Okay. Um, Helene was with her longtime boyfriend. Wolfgang lived with his ex-girlfriend and their four-year-old son. Okay. He met Helene um, because her boss was backing a project of his. Using money made from his forgeries, he bought an 80-foot sailboat, and he hired a five-man crew, all for this project. Hmm. What was the project? Um, He was going to do some plein air paintings. and This is something—this would be right up your alley. He was writing and filming a documentary about pirates. Oh, my God, I love this guy. <laughs> he makes all the right choices. So he planned to sail around the world. He was going to go from Mallorca to Madagascar, Mm -hmm. then to South America, because he wanted to follow the career paths of all the pirates. Totally. Get into Cartagena. Well, he was saying, I want to go from Sir Francis Drake to the South China Seas Okay, So he's doing everything. Yeah, he's covering the whole history. So Helene, she did not find Wolfgang to be all hubba hubba at first. (laughs) She wasn't into it. She thought he was a big mouth, um, as, as what she called him. So Wolfgang, he organized a seminar series on 16-millimeter film production, mm-hmm. as you do. Helene attended, spent some time with him. Her mind gets changed. Wolfie goes from zero to hero. Oh, he is an artiste now. This is what she said, quote, I saw that he was an absolute perfectionist, intelligent, educated, <laughs> and a totally open social human being. <laughs> so he's he just wins her over. By the end of the week... She has dumped her boyfriend and moved in with him. Wow. I yeah. like it. How's that pirate documentary going? It's, you know, whatever. Not great. Yeah. <laughs> I think it served its purpose. Yeah, so exactly. So the film production, it fell apart, and the crew gets stranded in Mallorca. Um, Wolfgang gave the boat away and then paid the crew. Wow. Yeah. I like it. Easy come, easy go. Oh, exactly. He's loose. So a couple of days after they first got together, Helene saw the paintings that he had from all these famous artists, and mm-hmm. she's curious about them. Here's how she tells it. Quote, I asked him, are these actually real? And he said, they're all mine. I made them. I said, so you're an art counterfeiter? And he said, exactly. That's my work. <laughs> That's my métier. Obviously, she's cool with it. <laughs> Why is she cool with it? Who knows? So anyway, Helene and Wolfgang, they get married in 1993. Uh, nine months later, they had a daughter named Franziska, mm-hmm. and Wolfgang took Helene's last name, changing from Wolfgang Fischer to Wolfgang Beltraki. So progressive. Yes. It sounds cooler, I think. <laughs> it does sound cooler. And I'm imagining as an artist, he's like, listen to the ring of that. Oh, yeah, completely. So Helene, she wasn't just cool with the counterfeit paintings. She, like, she wanted in on that life. Oh, yeah. She's she's angling. She was all about fraud life. So she reaches out to Lempert's, a major auction house in Cologne. Mm. She said that she had a painting for sale by the French cubist um, Georges Vamier. And, quote, they sent their expert. She looked for a few minutes, said it was wonderful, and then asked, how much do you want for it? Hmm. Uh, so the lady bought it for 20,000 Deutschmarks. Okay, nice. And this is what Elaine said. The first time, it was like being in a movie. It was like it had nothing to do with me. It was another person, an art dealer, whom I was playing. Everybody with the movies. Yes. Always with the always movies. Always with the movies. So she just role plays. Does anybody ever this? do, sorry, does anybody ever do crime and think that they're in a play? You know? Maybe. Like, like, <laughs> Maybe pre-movie. Yeah, it was like a Eugene O'Neill. <laughs> I just felt like, no? Well, so she's shocked at how easy this is. Sure. So she said, quote, normally a person would think that these experts would study the paintings and look for proof of its provenance. The authenticator asked two or three questions. She was gone in 10 minutes. <laughs> so it's like super easy. A year later, that same forged Valmier sold at auction in New York for a million dollars. Well, you know. So there it is, yeah. Full and their money easily parted. So 1993, Helene debuted her Fletch Time collection. Uh, Wolfgang would paint in his studio while Helene, she had a sister named Jeanette, and then another accomplice named Otto Schulte-Kellinghaus. That's a mouthful. I'm destroying it, I'm sure. They organized the sale of the paintings. Okay. 
Wolfgang met Otto in a cafe. He introduced him to people as Count Otto. What a great name. Of course. Uh, Wolfgang describes Otto as someone not really up on the art world and its history and such, but like a quick learner. Okay. So he takes him under his wing. He learned about the forgery racket totally on board. He's Mm -hmm. like, count me in. So Helene and her sister, they went to auction houses, and they said that they inherited an art collection from their father, Werner Jaegers. Okay. And according to them, Jaegers had been a client of Alfred Fletchtheim, the famous Jewish art gallery owner who lost his gallery to the Nazis. Mm. So keep in mind that the Nazis looted more than 650,000 works of art. Oh, they were in mad art time. thieves. I mean, it was like 20% of the art in Europe. Yeah. Um, ridiculous. And there are take. more than 100,000 pieces that haven't been recovered or returned mm-hmm. to the you yeah. know, heirs of the owners. So Wolfgang and Helene said that in order to save his works from the grub- grubby clutches of the Nazis, Fleshtime sold a bunch of the paintings to Jaeger. Helene's grandpa, mm-hmm. um, who then hid them in the Cologne Mountains for the duration of World War II. They had doctored photographs and forged documents to back the claim. <laughs> so there were experts who also, for a fee, would back his stuff yes. up. Experts can always be bought. Exactly. And the auction houses, they were stoked to be able to get their hands on all these old masterworks believed oh, lost yeah. to time. So much like Elmir Dahori, Wolfgang didn't copy existing works. He painted, quote, in the style of I like designer it. imposter. It's harder to question. Right. Well, and then the way he came up with it is so genius. So the pieces he created um, were then to, said to be works that had been lost in the shuffle somewhere. Whether missing pieces or ones not known about until then, he created titles and different motivation stories behind the creation of the piece in question. This is what he said, quote, Every Philharmonic orchestra merely interprets the composer. My goal was to create new music by that composer. (laughs) In doing so, I wanted to find the painter's creative center and become familiar with it so that I could see through his eyes how his paintings came about and, of course, see the new picture I was painting through his eyes before I even painted it. I wonder how that worked. You know, I mean, if you're really good as an artist and because... I can only speak as like a, a film student or it's like you can eventually start to see how an editor would work, mm-hmm. or how they would cut mm-hmm. this or how a, a composer would score this or how a director would want to move on this and follow that. You get that sense. But as an artist, it's such a two dimensional thing. I'd be willing to bet not that it's easier, but I bet they, they could do that really well. And well, start and I to think see in that vision. Like it's got to be a crazy feeling. Yeah. I know like as a writer, when I'm writing in the voice of a character mm-hmm. I've created, like you get into it and yeah. all of a sudden you're that person. Yeah, it's just flowing through you. You're yeah. not having to think or do, you're in the, the, whatever the flow state but to be, have that two-dimensional quality imagine just being able to put on lenses like imaginary lenses and all of a sudden yeah. you can see the world like picasso right you, you know, like, and it, exactly so like he would study the catalogs of existing works for artists and he'd research their schools of practice but then what he did that was so smart is that he looked at what was registered as having gone missing during world war ii brilliant and because of that, there usually weren't reference yeah. images for the paintings, just like vague descriptions. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, I'll, you know, see that I wonder that if he was also pulling through their, their notes, you know, like going into their diaries and trying to find them talking about mm-hmm. a thing. That... Oh, he did tons and tons of research oh, on this it. this is awesome. And when he found a piece of missing, uh, missing piece of work, he would start painting it based on whatever written narrative there was for it um, with knowledge of the artist's oeuvre. So he's mm-hmm. like, any descriptions that other people had at the time writing about it. So he's just filling in the gaps. And he was good. Um, The paintings were selling. The prices are going up and up. Here's what Wolfgang had to say about a Max Ernst painting that he did. Quote, His widow, Dorothea Tanning, an artist in her own right, said that one of my forgeries was the most beautiful Max Ernst painting she had ever seen. (laughs) The trick is to paint a picture that doesn't exist, and yet that fits perfectly into an artist's body of work. So, exactly like Elmir. Yeah. When we get back from this break, Uh. I'll tell you other ways Wolfgang's criminal enterprise was pretty much like Elmir's. Okay. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. 
Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. We're back. Hey, look at us. Hey, hey-o. Wolfgang Beltraki. Yeah. He's making fake pieces by famous artists. He's using the Nazi theft of art from German Jews and others to make cover for himself. There were a lot of people who were duped by him. Hmm. Um, auction houses like Christie's and Lempert's. I figured. Um, art scholar Werner Spice. Hmm. Uh, you're familiar with him. Oh, of course. <laughs> I used to get the newsletter. Experienced Werner art, Speaks. Your favorite experienced art collectors, Reinhold Werth. And oh. Danielle Filipacci. The verse haven't called me since that, you know, the incident. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I think that we could re- reconnect. You I know? think maybe therapy would be good. You we know? were so Just close. Sit down. So Talk close. Talk therapy. Yeah. yeah. Um, actor Steve Martin. <laughs> hey, he also got taken. My banjo buddy. <laughs> banjo boy Steve Martin. <laughs> so because it was nearly impossible to trace these pieces, experts... Mediators, purchasers, they all got suspicious mm-hmm. after a while. Remember Wolfgang and Helene, um, they said that the pieces came from Helene's actual grandfather, who was a wealthy industrialist, Werner Jaegers. Mm-hmm. So they said that Jaegers had been friends with Alfred Flechtheim um, in the 1920s. And as we know, he's this German-Jewish art dealer. Mm-hmm. They said that Jaegers bought the paintings from Flechtheim in order to save them from the Nazis. This story, though, had holes. So in the 1930s, here's the big problem. Jaegers was actually a member of the Nazi party. Well, there is that. So he's not saving it from himself. Yeah. But now, did he try to pull the whole, like, I got pulled in, but I was trying to no, save no. stuff. No, no, At I'm this like... point, he's dead. And he also had no interest in art in his life. <laughs> he had never once so showed it a was single... completely doubtful that he even knew Flechtheim. Okay. So when people tried to call him out on this, Wolfgang and Helene... They pulled out all these old photographs, what they said were from the 20s, of Helene's grandmother, Josephine Jaegers, um, with the paintings in question hanging on a wall in the background. Hmm. They're like, look, we'll come to find out these photos are fake. No. So <laughs> Helene would dress in period clothing uh-huh. and pose as her grandmother. I love it. Wolfgang used an old camera and like pre-war developing paper uh-huh. to take these pictures. This is what he said, quote, we were asked if perhaps there were some family photos in which the paintings could be seen. Well, of course there were. I got myself an old camera and one of those big cardboard things from the 1920s, as well as old film rolls, enlargers, trays, whatever I could find at the flea market. Whoa. So he's like, yeah, I can get you some pictures. Um, they created <laughs> fake labels that stated that the paintings were from Samlung Flechtheim, okay. the Flechtheim collection. Mm-hmm. So with the success of this collection, the sisters did it again later with a second large art collection, the Knops 
collection. So they're just and that was also whole collections. Oh yeah, but they had to like have yeah. oh why we got this. So in this story, Knops was the grandfather of Otto. Okay. The other forger. Mm-hmm. Count Otto. Yeah, exactly. So Count Otto has this grandfather, Knops, who uh, also just dies. I like that his name is Count Eight. You know, it's like <laughs> exactly. So Otto inherited the art collection upon the, his grandfather's sure, death. The and Knops then, collection. Well, where here we are. Mm-hmm. You know, more paintings. So the Beltrakis made a lot of money from these forgeries, and they spent a lot of money. Yeah. They spent <laughs> 7 million euros on this enormous villa in Freiburg, which is a town in southern Germany. Sure. If you're going to do it, do a villa. Right. Well, it took 19 months to restore this villa <sighs> after they bought it. And while they were having the restoration, they stayed in the penthouse suite of the Columbia Hotel for 700 euros a night. They're just <laughs> racking it up. And their neighbors are, like, blown away by these spending habits. They traveled. They went on these shopping sprees. When the renovations on the villa were done, they invited 100 people to their housewarming party. And then, you know, it wouldn't be a proper villa warming party without a four-member flamenco band flown in from Granada to sing and dance for the guests. It's only proper. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. Are we doing this or are we doing this? What are we, animals? (laughs) Um, So they're living large. But as is obvious from the fact that I'm telling you about Uh them, it didn't last. Oh, I was worried about this because you're telling me about them. (laughs) It was something small that took them down, though. Uh, It was those fake labels that would be their undoing. Oh, interesting. Well, experts were suspicious of their authenticity. Uh And considering the fact that they'd never seen labels such as these on any other artworks prior. Oh, yeah, that's a tell. And, well, they didn't, like, copy a label. They They made a new one. They copied a label. (laughs) Right. And so the labels didn't compare in quality to Fletchtime's labels. Mm -hmm. Um, And they also, like, those labels had a custom stamp that was very recognizable. It would have been worth it to them to buy an actual Fletchtime just to get the stamp and then be able to take that. Exactly. For the amount of money that they're they're, taking in. Yeah, if they're buying villas, you know, buy a Fletchtime. Yeah. Well, there was, on their label, there's, like, a weird weird caricature of flex time um, that Wolfgang drew. Mm-hmm. And so in 2008, um, Rolf Jens, who was an expert, um, he did something no one had done before. He questioned the labels. Nice. This is what he said, quote, Fletchtime was a connoisseur, a collector, a man of taste. There is no way he would have permitted such a silly portrait. <laughs> so it was just the caricature. Like, this guy was serious. Why did he have, like, a goofy totally. thing? That's like a, an observation your your boy, doc, <laughs> Dr. Bendor, would note. Yes. Oh, my God. Bendor. And I don't remember his last Grovesner? name. Bendor Grovesner? Grovesner. Yeah. yeah, he's like an uh, an English art, art Historian, expert. expert, yeah. Oh, my God. He's the best. But he has just the best lines for his reasoning. Oh, so yeah. He's He a would genius. definitely do that with a Google. I don't believe it. <laughs> totally. So in 2006, Wolfgang and Helene sold a 1914 painting supposedly by Heinrich Kampendonk mm-hmm. um, called Red Picture with Horses um, to a Maltese company, uh, Tresteco. Okay. And Tristeco commissioned two art historians to inspect the work. They're like, why are there ice skaters in this picture? <laughs> <laughs> so they confirmed that some of the paint that was used didn't exist in 1914. Oh, yeah, that's always a tell. The year it was supposedly made. Yeah. Wolfgang had purchased a tube of paint in the Netherlands that contained titanium white. Ooh. And made mostly of titanium dioxide. It was still in development mm-hmm. when they were, you know, saying that this painting was created. So Wolfgang, he blamed his desire for com- convenience on this slip-up. Quote, I had always used a zinc white, which was completely normal in Kampendok's day. Yeah. Usually I mix the paints myself, but I was missing some pigments. So I took a zinc white from a tube, a Dutch product. But unfortunately, it didn't say that it contained a small amount of titanium white. In other words, the whole thing was discovered because of an incorrectly labeled tube. He's blaming the, He's blaming the, the production tube. facility. No, he just got lazy. He was like, I'll take like, this. Like, bro, I think you can point that finger right <laughs> back this way. So in 2010, the buyer of the painting filed a complaint with the district court in Cologne in order to be reimbursed for the purchase price. 2.9 million euros. Oof. Yeah. It's a hell of a rebate. Yeah. <laughs> a little chargeback on yeah. the card. Berlin State Criminal Police got word of the forgeries. They launched an investigation. Forensics discovered that the labels were made with a modern paper to look old, mm-hmm. and the glue was also modern. Zarin. Yes. Close your eyes. Oh, yeah. I want you to picture it. Keep my eyes closed. It's August 27th, 2010. You own Cologne, Germany's hottest restaurant, 
Zarenhaus. <laughs> it's terribly posh. It's super small. Known for our Bauhaus sculptures <laughs> of salad. Zarenhaus. Um, you recommend the crudo. Or maybe the roasted duck with wild spice strudel and beetroot. It's very good this time of year. Exactly. You and the staff, that you all wear patent leather jumpsuits, by the way. We all like to look very good when we are serving food. (laughs) It's your idea. Um, No, it was their idea. Um, So you're greeting guests as they approach the hostess to claim their reservations. In comes the Beltraki family. Vigets. They're regulars. They're like, hey, guys. They spend well. They eat well. Uh, They're two teenage kids, Manuel and Franziska. Um, are particularly adventurous eaters, you've noted. (laughs) So they enjoy this wonderful meal and all the exquisite wines that you've recommended. They get up to leave and you walk with them. You're chatting about the weather and the plans that they have for this fall. Um, You hold the door to the restaurant open for them as they file out. Just then, you hear approaching sirens and the screeching of wheels. Five police vans, lights and sirens ablaze, come careening up to the curb. Police jump out, armed with automatic weapons and police dogs. The police order Wolfgang and Helene into a police van. Uh, you stand by a gog. Uh, Wolfgang tosses his car keys to Francesca. Uh, the teens look at you, but you've already headed back inside. I'm um, going to go back inside because this is too much for me. <laughs> you don't need the trouble, basically. Um, so the kids look at each other, they shrug, and they make their way home alone in the family car. <laughs> this is what Francesca I said. Laugh so hard. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the daughter said. We went back to the house and called a lawyer. I had no idea what this was about until I saw the news on television and read it in the newspapers. That's really so good place just to get your news. Blissfully <laughs> ignorant of this. Sorry. <laughs> the, the television, the news. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so Wolfgang and Helene, they were in custody for 14 months between the time of their arrest and their trial in Ooh. October of 2011. In jail, Wolfgang painted portraits of fellow inmates. And he and Helene wrote to each other what they say were 7,000 to 8,000 pages in total. Oh, wow. Just constant letter writing. And it was uh, during this time that Helene was diagnosed with breast cancer. So they're just going through all this stuff. That's rough. In September of 2011, the group went on trial in Cologne, Germany. Wolfgang and Helene, um, Helene's sister, Jeanette, Mm -hmm. and Otto. Count Otto. Count Otto. Don't leave out my man Count Eight. There were 14 works of art that were confirmed as forgeries. Okay. Um, And those had earned them $21 million. Hot damn. Yeah. And there were another 33 pieces that were supposedly by all these other artists that Kemp and Donk, Max Ernst, Mm -hmm. um, they're under investigation as well. Wolfgang loves an audience. (laughs) So when he was called to the stand, he gave more of a soliloquy than a confession because they had cut this deal. If you confess, then we'll reduce the sentence. Okay. So he regaled them with stories of his wild youth, and he went on, he went after the uh, arrogance and greed of the art world. <laughs> he also said the whole thing was, quote, great fun. <laughs> Just like saying all the wrong stuff. Exactly. And then he did this post-trial interview with Vanity Fair. Oh, nice. As you do. Proper. Um, he, said, he was thrilled to share how he was able to, like, dash off these paintings that he would later sell for millions. Quote, uh, he, I did it in three or four hours, sometimes even faster. So he's just whipping these. That's amazing. And it really kind of, it's not an insult to the great masters, but it kind of puts into perspective how long some of their stuff might have taken, you know? Well, and it's interesting because it's like they put all of this thought and development into it, and then Mm -hmm. he just kind of swoops in after, and it's like the table's already been set. Yeah. You know, he's just going to tinker around a little bit. He's just basically an artistic fax machine at that point. (laughs) Pretty much. Now, when we get back from this break, I'm going to tell you how Wolfgang's inflated ego worked out for him in terms of sentencing. Oh, witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 join us march 20th live from the edge at hudson yards in new york city Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 
only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free... Zarin. Elizabeth. Um, welcome to my crime flop house. Dude, I'm really liking this. Ever since you left the crime dojo and you got this new crime flop mm-hmm. house, I mean, everything's, well, it's a lot dirtier. I got to say well, that. Well, you're going to get scabies from sitting on that sofa. Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty sure I already have that. But I, I like that you have apparently a lot more time to yourself now that you're not cleaning all the time. Exactly. So that's nice. I have a busy on-the-go lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, you do, girl. So October 2011, uh-huh. there was a 40-day trial. Wolfgang Beltraki, he gets sentenced to six years. Helene gets sentenced to four. Hmm. Both of these sentences were in open prisons. What does that mean? It meant that they went to work outside during the day and then checked back in each night. So that's like beyond work furlough. Because no, they just did their thing. Yeah. So like they're, they're basically, they just have to sleep in a prison. Yes, exactly. It's like okay. a hotel. Huh. Um, they just have like a really crappy hotel. Yeah. That was their prison sentence. So they would like meet up at the studio uh-huh. in the morning, uh-huh. hang out, work until it was time to get in separate cars, and then make their way back to prison. They would literally drive next to each other on the freeway, and then one would have to get off in an exit, and they'd wave to each other. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. Wow. <laughs> Europeans' approach to prison, I mean, I, I wish we had this type of approach to prison for the nonviolent offenders yeah, of the world. Yeah. Well, this is what the judge said, quote, To clear up any confusion, Mr. Beltraki has agreed to take back all his forgeries and return them to their owners signed this time with his own name. <laughs> so <laughs> That's they're what like, they care let's about? cut like, him some slack. Let's yeah. get the right name on these things. So Wolfgang, um, he agreed to paint only in his own name moving forward. No, wait. Was Steve? So you said Steve Martin was one of his victims. Yeah. Did he come forward in, in this, like, uh, in this? That I don't know. In, okay. I, don't know. I was wondering if he was, like, know. angry about it because he seems a little prickly sometimes. Yeah, I know. Doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, God bless him. Um, so he said, I can. they told him, you can only paint in your own name right. going forward. Because um, it goes back to remember with Elmir, it was like, did you actually sign? Yeah, the that's the whole name? thing about a forgery is if you if you don't sign it to deceive exactly. So it's the signature that makes the forgery. Right. Um, and then he also had to move from Germany to France. They just like kicked him out of Germany. Huh. You're out of here, buddy. I bet. Mean, I, mean, I bet if you ran this by like this law about uh, copyright law and having to put your name on a painting, if you ran that by a sovereign citizen, they'd probably lose their oh mind because it's all about the law and the name. And yeah, everything. Totally. They would just be like, "This is what happens, man. Oh, <laughs> they take your name and that's your identity." You're like, "Oh, brother, this is great. Keep going." Oh my god, I love sovereign citizens, but like in the abstract, I Are love you stories about. Me? <laughs> <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so Beltraki, right? He, um, oh, I forgot to tell you. Otto, mm-hmm. he got five years, and Jeanette got a 21-month suspended sentence. Oh, so she doesn't even have to sleep in prison. No, she just has to wear, wow. like, a cool bracelet. <laughs> um, so after he got out of prison, Beltraki admitted in all these interviews that he actually forged maybe 50 different artists. He's like, there were a lot more, buddy. I like how he just keeps wanting to flex on people. Oh, totally. He There's also 50 was like, artists. took me a 10 minutes. They had him ballpark. How many did you sell? He's like, I don't know, 1,000, 2,000? <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Um, but he wouldn't disclose the exact number or like the locations of, of course, where these were. Yeah. This is what he uh, said in an interview. He said, wouldn't it be the height of vanity if I were to tell you now where the paintings could still be hanging? So, I mean, there's some still out there. Oh, you know that. Like, in the Houston Museum, there's yeah. like three. The magazine says, 
This isn't exactly what one imagines as a full confession. <laughs> Wolfgang, wait a minute. I made a confession about the paintings that were the subject of the trial. Aside from that, if the police had asked me at the time, I would have told them where the paintings were, at least as far as I knew. That's on the cops. Yeah, I mean, they like, didn't they, ask the they right missed questions. The, they missed the boat on that <laughs> they one. They had me on the stand. So it was pretty much acknowledged that the galleries, the auction houses, they all turned a blind eye yeah, to we, pretty obvious clues. We keep hearing this. Oh, well, there it wasn't just fake labels. There were misspelled names. <laughs> and like frames that didn't match the pictures that were supposed to be made out of the same wood. The money was too good though for everyone involved. One and- was just like a Target print you could get for a dorm room. <laughs> it had been painted over. It was a little like bit. one of those kids in like the big hat, like <laughs> holding a rose. Um, so uh, they could increase the value though tenfold between buying from Helene mm-hmm. and then selling it at auction. So yeah, of course they're not going to pass it up. That's what I keep saying. Um, this is what journalist Henrik von Spresshart said. A little more detective work at the right time could have exposed the so-called Jaegers and Knops collections, but something in the art market seems to resist, almost hysterically, <laughs> any discussion or disclosure. <laughs> close ranks. They're like, how do you think we move all this money? Exactly. Oh, come on now. So Wolfgang, he accused the galleries and the art houses of being consumed with, quote, greed and depravity in their mission to acquire these high-dollar pieces. Per Der Spiegel, German news magazine, yeah. quote, Doubts are bad for business. A dealer who buys a painting for 100,000 euros but knows that he can sell it for 200,000 or 300,000 euros possibly doesn't want to ask too many questions about its origin. Yep. So you got from every angle, everyone's pointing out, like, this is all big racket. Yeah. We all know. As long as everyone gets their beak wet, no one cares. Right. But, you know, there were those who paid high non-monetary costs um, thanks so? to the fraud. Reputations were damaged. Oh, those. So art scholar Andrea Fermanich of uh-huh. Bonn, she was called um, to examine a supposed Kompendonk piece. Oh, yes, a Kompendonk yes. piece. Um, it should be stated that Kompendonk produced over 1,200 works. Damn. Well, factory Kompendonk. Yeah. There are, so it's like really easy to say, like, this could have been lost in the shuffle. But there were also two other experts who were called in to, to look at the same piece. This is what she said. Quote, no expert is immune from mistakes. The damage to my person is so big that I'm not able to say anything, quote, official. The damage for the experts of art is so enormous. And the public understanding of Beltraki as a hero is so absurd that I hope you can understand my opinion. Hmm. Another one, your buddy Werner Spice. Mm-hmm, my dude. He was another casualty of it. He was referred to as one of the most influential art historians of the 20th century. Oh, This guy was snap. huge. He was a friend to both Max Ernst and Pablo Picasso. Huh. And he was an expert on both of their catalogs of work. So Wolfgang comes along, dupes Spice, um, gets him to issue certificates of authenticity for five works that were supposedly by Ernst. Wow. Um, one of the certificates was for the fake La Forêt de. Um, Spice put controversial Swiss art dealer Yves Bouvier. <laughs> I mean, we all know about his controversy. No, not old Yves. Um, in contact with Helene. And so they sold the piece to a private company for $2.3 million. <laughs> and the painting was then sold to New York publisher Daniel Filipacci for $7 million. Wow, these jump-ups. Yeah. Uh, in 2004, Spice authenticated an alleged Max Ernst painting, Tremblement de Terre. And the painting was sold to a collector for more than 650,000 euros. And then in May of 2013, Spice was convicted and ordered to pay back that collector. Huh. So the decision, though, was overturned by the Court of Appeal of Versailles. Um, they stated that Spies had, quote, expressed an opinion outside of the determined transaction unquote, and could not therefore be, quote, charged with a responsibility equivalent to that of an expert consulted in the context of a sale. I don't quite understand. So basically saying in his professional capacity, he right. wasn't doing Right. He his... wasn't doing it as part of the actual sale itself. Okay. Okay. So the court said that it, quote, cannot be required of the author of a catalogue raisonné to subject each work in a catalogue published under his responsibility to the execution of a scientific expert assessment which requires the removal of fragments of the work and represents a significant cost. Okay, so they're basically saying he they're, didn't go up to this this criteria right. and no one expected and him because he didn't say that. He didn't say I analyzed he, it. So right, therefore... and that while he may have created this catalog raisonné for Ernst, yeah. 
he just based on looking at it, how could he have known? Yeah. You'd actually have to like that's how it's, good. It's more of a curatorial catalog. Exactly. Okay. I mean, okay. So Spicy ended up facing a civil lawsuit for certifying seven Max Ernst paintings that turned out to be fakes. So rich people are suing him? Oh yeah. And okay. it totally tarnished this reputation that he had built over more than half a century. Um in twenty fourteen. Uh, Wolfgang and Helene, they collected those letters that they'd sent each other mm-hmm. and had them published into a book. Oh, wow. So they did like a whole like letters between Henry Miller and Anais Nin. And they also wrote yep. an autobiography together, oh, a little duly. Jeez. Because of course, yeah. you got to write a book. It's the what you do in prison, Elizabeth. You write books. <laughs> But how look how fun it was until you got to like the people whose careers they were. Yeah, ran. I know. This yeah. is the one thing is like uh, you know me, like as long as people aren't getting hurt by a crime, I don't mind a crime, but people are getting hurt by this well, crime. And I'm so. always like soak them when these like rich people fall for it, but then yeah, at least like Yeah, well the, no. I don't mind separating a fool from their money if it doesn't actually hurt the fool. Right. True. I will I will say that every time. <laughs> so a documentary about the couple was made in 2014 called Beltraki, the Art of Forgery. It got a German film award for best documentary. Wow. Um, it was by Arne Birkenstock. No. Whose father, Reinhard Birkenstock. Founder of the shoe company? No, was legal counsel for the Beltrakis. Wait a minute. So their lawyer's <laughs> kid made a documentary. <laughs> That's great. And they were all wearing Birkenstock. Um, it's not an easy documentary to track down, but thanks to my library card, uh-huh. and if you don't have one, I don't know what's wrong with you, um, I was able to watch it through Canopy, nice. which is oh, an yeah. app, or uh-huh. Canopy.com. So in it, Wolfgang uh, waxes about the Fovis Mm -hmm. and how they went to the south of France and they painted things that no one had ever painted before in a way that Mm -hmm. no one had painted. Capturing light in a way people hadn't seen in Europe. And so he talks about how much he would have loved to be there, as if it's only time that prevents him from doing something wholly new. (laughs) You know, he's like, God, if I were there, I could have been one of these guys, like, seeing these modern takes on everything. (laughs) Oh, well, can't go back in time. Hey, buddy, look around. (laughs) Right. How about you try it now? You're in a brand new moment right now. Here's here's Ram Dass. He'll explain it to you. (laughs) So he's really boastful about his skills. He said, quote, there's nothing I couldn't paint. I could paint anything. (laughs) And then when he's asked about all the various old masters and, like, classical artists that he could replicate, he affirms each one listed to him. Even, quote, I could paint a new Leonardo. He calls him, like, simple. Like, oh, Leonardo's so simple. I like that. After he, like, took down his father as an artist, no artist was safe. He's like, I can take down anybody. I took down my pops. I take down you. I'll take down your father. Well, the craziest part about the documentary is that the crew follows both Wolfgang and Helene as they spend the day in the studio and then buzz off back to jail in the evening. That's how I got to see them <laughs> okay. driving next to each other. And then waving. So you actually got to see them do it. Yes. That's amazing. What does he do in the studio all day? Pretty much what he was always doing. So he gets these old mediocre paintings, Mm -hmm. he strips them down to the canvas, paints a forgery, ages it artificially. Like there's one, he gets this canvas from Barcelona and he's like shoving lint and dust and dirt behind the canvas stretcher Mm -hmm. so that if someone were to look down, he recreates taking those phony pictures from the 20s down to even creating a makeshift parlor for his wife to sit in, posing in front of the fakes. So I suppose he's doing that for the film crew, but it's like, this is what you're out of jail doing? Like, faking it up again? So, anyway. um, He goes to this dinner party, and one of his friends said that he heard a rumor that Wolfgang had invested in, quote, ocular prosthetics in the United States. Ocular prosthetic. It's a little too close to glass Baron eyes? Bruno, yes, right? right? I'm like, the only other ocular prosthetic is a glass eye. One of our old episodes. A little too close for comfort, I say. I'm saying. Um, so he paints portraits of other inmates when he's in jail, and they all seem to want him to learn to tattoo. And he declines. <laughs> One of the, When he's declining, there's a really uncomfortable moment when Wolfgang talks about how if he tattooed the guys that art collectors would want to take their skin when they die. Oh, that's bleak. And the that's dude, like worse than the Banksy. We no, want to take this wall. But wait, the dude that he's painting says, I'd make it into a lampshade. Oh. Now, if you're German, you Ooh. may want to be careful about that kind of reference. More than may. <laughs> so it's so uncomfortable. Anyway, what's Wolfgang doing now? Um, let's see. He is in CryptoCoin. You're so close. Oh, really? He, well, he does speaking engagements, okay, of well, course. Naturally. And then he creates work under his own name, mm-hmm. NFTs. Ah, I should have gone one step over on the scams. I know. In 2021, he released a series of NFTs called The Greats. And he reimagined Leonardo da Vinci's Salvador Mundi Mm -hmm. in the style of other artists like Vincent Van Gogh and Andy Warhol. That's interesting. So he does like a masterwork and then has all the other master 
painters do mm-hmm. this masterwork mm-hmm. their way. Well, there's a promotional. It's like, like an MTV kind of thing. Kind of, yeah. There's a promotional video for it that says, quote, Armed with over 60 years of experience, he is the only person who has the crucial knowledge and skills to pull this off. I like the armed. Like, yeah, he's armed <laughs> and dangerous. Um, they add that the NFTs will see him, quote, become part of history himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you love these hype things. Like, <laughs> the people get paid to write these things. I just, like, I, I, I want to pat them on the back. I know. Like, Look at you. You're getting paid to write nonsense. Now, here's my takeaway. Sure. Uh, I like to cheer on the forgers, mm-hmm. but I feel bad for the authenticators. 100% with you on that. Yeah. And also, our researcher, Andrea, sent me a great Pablo Picasso quote. Hmm. If the counterfeit were a good one, I should be delighted. I'd sit down straight away and sign it. Oh, yes. I've heard. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which makes me wonder what the artists themselves would make of all this. Well, I think Picasso, you know. Yeah. You'd be like, I'll take that. Yoink. <laughs> Zarin, what's your ridiculous takeaway? <sighs> it's wild because, like, I mean, we've, we've, we've covered some of this, which is that, like, you have, like, a painter like Picasso, who is literally stealing his imagery from other works of art mm-hmm. that other people just don't know about, which isn't counterfeit because that's the whole inspiration aspect. So the the fact that these other painters, like, it's not that he's, like, lazy because he's doing all kinds of work. Oh, and it's, like, so, every kind of style. Yeah. It's not even, like, oh, I only do modernist or I only, you know, he's just, all over the place. But there's, like, one switch that just gets kicked over in the wrong direction. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he just does all of this stuff as opposed to, like, taking all of this abundant talent and, as we talked about, looking around the world and finding something yeah. new. Commenting on that visually yeah. with his own visual language. He's right there and he's like, nah, I'd rather be a jukebox machine of art. And just, uh-huh. like, I'll just play this hit i'll play that hit and i'll just keep punching my own buttons well and we've talked about this before the difference between like artist and artisan basically like are you a draftsman or are you Mm -hmm. an artist so that's it that's all i have wow Gang. i did like that he took his wife's name that is pretty cool i thought that was kind of cool yeah good for him that's all i have for today you can find us online at ridiculous crime on both twitter and instagram email us if you'd like at ridiculous crime at gmail.com Download the iHeart app and leave us a talk back. I double dare you. Tune in next time. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett. Produced and edited by Authenticator of Authenticators, Dave Kustin. Research is by Angry Art Collector, Marissa Brown, and Suspicious Auctioneer, Andrea Song Charpentier. The theme song is by Thomas, I have photographic proof, Lee, and Travis, Ernst, you glad I didn't paint it? Dutton. Executive producers are Christie's Auction House experts put on administrative leave indefinitely, Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 